0: I'm Daniel Blackman I'm Eric Cohen and welcome to Blue Topsy today we have a fun friend from the other side of the county uh somebody <laughs> that we love and respect newly elected phenomenal woman and she has something in common with my wife Eric she went to Spelman College I know that I went to Clark Atlanta <laughs> University shout out to the okay. Atlanta University Center And um, I'm just going to go ahead and just open it up for her because we're excited to have a young lady in the room who I'm going to let you introduce, but someone that not only, like I said, do we respect, but someone who is in what the AJC, the Washington Post, and the New York Times have all called uh, a battleground county, right? So Elizabeth Warren has recently visited Gwinnett. Eric, who do we have in the studio today?
1: Uh, Bianca Keaton. She is the new head of the Gwinnett (laughs) County Democratic Party. And as you said, Daniel, you hear about Gwinnett everywhere. You are in an important spot.
2: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Gwinnett really catapulted to the national stage last year when uh, voter suppression, you know, kind of became the middle name, like Gwinnett Uh Voter Suppression County. Um, We had uh, an unprecedented amount of absentee ballots rejected. Um, for, you know, exact max match signature right. reasons. We had uh, polls with lines four hours long. We had, uh, you know, precincts without power for several hours. Right. So there was a lot going, going on and uh, conveniently all these things impacted communities of color. Mm-hmm.
0: Now look, when I, when I was, uh, you know, I no longer serve as the chair of the seventh congressional district, but we saw so many things come out of Gwinnett, and for me, I think it's critical and it's important. You guys have the martyr. Uh, referendum coming up. You guys have opportunities in Gwinnett to, uh, unlike many other counties that have just come out of the uh, election in 2018, you guys jump right back into the foray. So how confident are you, not just in the vote, but in the infrastructures around the fairness of this election? I know that's one issue that you have been very keen on. And we've recently seen uh, community leaders like Reverend Warnock out of Atlanta joined the fight with Stacey Abrams to make sure that our elections are fair. So what are you guys doing in anticipation of the upcoming elections? And could you just kind of give us more of an idea about why it's so important um, for even if you're not in Gwinnett County, for us to be supporting this measure that will be coming out of Gwinnett in March uh, in a couple couple weeks?
2: Okay, I'm going to have to unpack a little bit of that. That was (laughs) like a few questions in one. But I will say that this transit referendum has uh, a a huge impact or will have a huge impact overall for the state of Georgia and especially the Atlanta metro region. It's going to create uh, transportation opportunities that will connect our counties so that we don't have to be commuter residents who... Um, in, in Gwinnett, we spend a lot of time. A lot of folks that live in Gwinnett actually don't work there. Mm-hmm. And as a result, uh, they're not really doing much living or playing in either because they're not in And
0: you told that story about you being in the car with your daughter and about your commute from Norcross to Marietta. And I think that's important for people to know that you have a story that goes along. You're not just giving an example.
2: No, no, not at all. I was working for the uh, Cobb County board of commissioners, uh, Lisa Cupid out there.
0: Shout out to Lisa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I was, um, my commute every morning would be at least an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. Now, without traffic the commute would be 30 minutes. And so I had what ha- what I would call like um, these three omens or whatever. It was like these transportation like tragedies that really let me know that I needed to make some changes in what I was doing. Um so the first one was when the woman was walking on 285 uh-huh. in the middle of or I don't know, I can't say middle of the night, but wee hours of the morning. That's right, I remember. And she was dismembered. Her body, you know, strewn apart because cars were hitting her. Yeah. And they shut down 285.
0: And unfortunately on 400 today, we had a pedestrian threatening to jump off Mm -hmm. of the bridge by Haynes Bridge. And then we had, in Spaghetti Junction, we had an individual, unfortunately a pedestrian, struck by a vehicle just this morning.
2: Just this Mm -hmm. morning. It happened again. And I think it is just so bizarre um, that history is repeating itself. Um, people are not having uh, transit options, and that was just that was just like the first thing that happened. It took me three and a half hours to get to work that one morning wow. when they shut down two eighty five, and this was after et- trying to exit the the expressway and take the side streets into the office. It took three and a half hours just to navigate um, any back channels over into Cobb, and the second one was when the airplane crashed on my exit. Huh. Um, do you remember that, the, remember the fatalities flash, yeah. associated yeah. with that? And, you know, it was just kind of like, well, if, if something like that happens, it makes it so much more difficult. Like if they shut down the expressway, there's no there's there's not a lot of um, options that you have for connectivity uh, getting from, you know, a, a place like Cobb County over to Gwinnett. And then the third one was 85 collapsing because yeah. that mm-hmm. like I got home just before the news broke and I turned on the TV and I was like, Oh my gosh, I was just out there. Like, and, and that's
0: a route I used to take every single day. I still take it pretty frequently.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was insane, you know, to see, you know, this inferno. And I was just like, I gotta, I gotta leave my job. Like, I just cannot keep doing this because I knew that it was going to mean, um, a more disastrous commute, and it went up to more than two hours. And at the time, my daughter was uh, just over one years old. Wow. So, you know, all that time, even without all those uh, incidents, I spent more time in the car than I was able to spend with her at home. Wow. And so That says it- a
0: lot as a parent because I have three children, three boys. Eric has three yep. boys, and, you know, I-, I feel like every opportunity, especially having a son going into high school next mm-hmm. year, every Congrats. opportunity oh don't i'm i'm, I'm, on, I'm on the <laughs> fence right now because the the thing i'm worried about is not the fact that he's about to be in high school it's the fact that he is already telling me that he's ready to drive me around in mm-hmm. six months and i'm not sure i'm ready to put him in the in the drive no, no no no
1: we have the opposite problem so, so we, all right so we have twins right yeah they're sophomores in high school we basically can't pay them to get their their permit
2: that was me. Okay. Yeah. Oh so God. I can relate. I, I, I'm sorry. Right. Well, I mean, and and
1: the the funny thing though, you know,
0: and you know, I kinda jumped into the pool head first, but you know, a lot of people that know about you, they love you and admire you, and then there are folks that feel like there's a little like there's some ambition there, right? And and sometimes ambition and and newness, you know, it, it makes people a little nervous. But, you know, who are you, right? Because you're a mom and we know that um, you have had a stint uh you know in dc and you've done some really good work there you know i'd like for you to let our listening audience know who you are i mean i've already mentioned spelman college and i want to talk about hbcus before we leave here today but outside of spelman college where are you from you know what what motivated you to even get involved in politics like we know your background but for your for our listening audience share with us some of the things that inspired you um to be involved and engaged and then what made you even think to be uh you know, focused enough to now become the chair of Gwinnett County's Democratic Party?
2: Goodness. I don't even know if I have enough time to answer this uh, in the way that it deserves to be answered. But first, let me say, I have absolutely zero ambition to run for office. Okay. And the mm-hmm. the attention that um, has come my way makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, I'm i shy in many That's respects. That's what you guys
0: call a servant leader. <laughs>
2: I, Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I, so I love it. I'm I'm shy in many respects and I recognize that that with that attention will come a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's going to be another shoe that drops somewhere. She ain't this. She ain't that. I mean, I'm already experiencing a, a good bit of that. And um, even when, you know, I. uh Was drafted, I would say. I I did not want (laughs) to be chair. (laughs) I did not want to be chair. Um, I was like, well, can't somebody else do it? You know, I was looking for other people to do it. I was looking over the list, and, um, you know, all the fingers kept pointing back to me. But there was a concentrated effort from um, folks in the Gwinnett community and around it that actually cared about um, having a, a, a field program in the county being more productive for me to be a part of that because they knew, uh, bits of my background. They knew that I'd been on the coordinated campaign. And so mm-hmm. they were like, you know what to do, even if you don't feel like it, you need to, you need to be this. And, uh, so that's why I kind of jumped into that. But, you know, to be honest, you know, I, I'm from the South side of Chicago and, you know, I come from very humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And have shared that at the time that I was born, my mother didn't have a, a place of her own. Like, she yeah. was homeless. Yeah. So, she had me and my uh, older sister
0: just as a you? single
2: mother. Yeah. So, my... Uh, yeah. I, ha- I do have a brother, but from my dad. Okay. So, yeah. um, my my mother uh, was taken in by my aunt, who was like a second mother there, to me. And, you know, we, we had a pretty pretty tough go of it because, you know, we would go... Wherever you know anybody would would take us if my mother wasn't um wasn't able to sustain herself or w- whatever the circumstances, it's hard being a parent in general, yeah, but to be a single parent with two children in a place like Chicago um it, it put us through some things. so you know we lived in shelters for yeah. a sense of time and you know really struggled trying to um, to just live so for a very long period of time. I uh you know was more in survival mode than anything else and I think that um th- some of the things that I experienced yeah. um or witnessed you know um they really did shape and transform my life and 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 I will I will touch on a couple of those things mm-hmm. you know to see at 8 years old you know, a childhood friend be struck down with bullets um, in a gun that was found right by the school that we went to. Wow. Um, You know, I was scared to go home, so I'm going over here because it's the only safe place I know, but a kid picked up that gun that they found by our Mm -hmm. school, brought it to the house, and she was dead that night. Wow. And, um, you know, had the circumstances been even just slightly different, that bullet could have struck me. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, that wouldn't be the only, you know, instance of violence that I would see or um, or even experience personally. And the thing that actually did shape um, my path to get to Spelman or to even want to go to college in the first place was um, an attempted at gang rape mm. uh, just, uh, just across the street from my school. Wow. And, you know, it was that experience that made me feel so vulnerable.
0: Was this against someone you knew or against you personally or what?
2: Yeah, it was against me. Wow. wow. Um, and, and,
0: and in you saying that, because the reason why I wanted to ask that is, we are increasingly a part of this time of this me too movement. And I was very privileged to work for vice president Bi well, not to work for, but to support his white house initiative. It's on us, which was a campaign to end sexual violence against men, women, and children. And uh, to really hear that story and to know the importance of people being able to share their story, because that can help somebody and encourage someone else. Um, it's powerful. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is. It is, you know, for the law, I didn't tell anybody that it happened, yeah, um, until I was over thirty. well, I mean, I may have talked to other of my peers, yeah, but I never actually told my mother that that happened <laughs> until I was in my thirties. she saw me change, she saw um who who I would hang out with change, yeah, you know, I changed myself and said that if I wanted to um if I didn't want stuff like that to happen to me. Then I had to go to college mm-hmm. and I put every ounce of energy I had into that, even when we didn't have lights on at the house yeah. or hot water or, you know, any of those things.
0: And- One thing before you finish that sentence, Melissa Clink was on yesterday. Mm-hmm. The thing that I admire about you and Melissa is the humble beginnings and how far you've come. And I had to say this, you know, as you were talking, because I spoke at a school in Tampa last year. And the area I talked it was called Suitcase City because there's so much poverty that on average kids are not at one school for more than three months. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading something about you that said that in one year you had attended like ten schools and um
2: So let me let me jump in here. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a mis a misquote and I tried I tried to fix that. Okay. But um I did change a lot of schools and I know that I changed as many as three in a year, but I changed a whole bunch um uh over a a span of time, and so, like for my sister, um she might have changed that many times in a year, My mom was like. She, my mom got on me she said that ain't how that happened and i said mama i know i know i tried look i tried to fix it so uh, on the record i want to fix that
0: <laughs> well that's what blue is right. for that
2: right <laughs> i do want to fix that but yes we did change schools um multiple quite a bit times. Mul- multiple times and if not every year then it was multiple times within a year, gotcha. within a year that we were changing schools. And that's when, you know, I was placed in like a learning disability class Wow. because they assumed that um, I just had a hard time learning rather than the fact that I was getting uh, mm-hmm. gaps in my education by transferring schools so many times wow. in the city, in the uh, the south suburbs and the west suburbs. Like we were everywhere, mm. all around the Chicago area in Indiana at one point. So, mm. like I can I can recall different things, uh, just based on where we were living. I can talk about wow. those things.
1: So I would think that Chicago kind of has like this kind of blueprint of how you see things. Okay, so my parents lived up there for a decade, mm. and like you would see the the south side divide. Like you'd go there, and you know how awful it is. Mm-hmm. And then you could go up by like Wrigley Field and literally the people are like, oh yeah, my doors aren't locked, you know, whatever. And like you see, it's the perfect example of almost essentially what is wrong with, you know, income inequality, income inequality yeah. in this
0: mm-hmm. country.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the irony in in what Eric is saying is, you know, too often we see immense pockets of, of prosperity. I remember Uh, I'm from a military family. My family, my mother and father immigrated here from Barbados. My father Mm -hmm. joined the United States Army, became an Army Ranger. I lived all over the country. And um, I think because I was exposed to so much, it had an impact on who I I am. But before I came to Atlanta, you know, I had heard from everyone that, you know, it's this black Mecca and there's so much wealth in Atlanta, and you're not gonna, you know, black folks historically from Auburn Avenue to Cascade has done this, but then you still see immense poverty. And to mm-hmm. Eric's point, you know, all over America in, in Baltimore and in Chicago and Boston where I was born, and you know, I heard Ayanna Presley say the same thing. You know, we see these stretches where on the one end we're seeing Um, um, immense amounts of of prosperity, Mm -hmm. but then we're seeing disproportionate amounts of of poverty. And and I think that is something that is so critical and how has that helped to shape you as the leader you are today to have been able to see one angle but then go to an institution like Spelman and be exposed to more and now here you sit in the midst of all you've gone through and you now sit here before us and before our listening audience as the chairwoman of the Democratic Party of Gwinnett County I mean like like what does that mean for you?
2: So um, the journey hasn't been an easy one and it's been you know, fraught with lots of um, fears and anxiety. And, you know, going back to that um, attempted rape, it um, it colored my whole perception that I thought that if I got out of there and I went to college, that I would be safe. Mm. And when I got to Spelman, um, I felt like I could finally rest. It was like the one time where I felt like, okay, Now I could like really sleep and be okay. Yeah. But you know it was also kind of like the onset of a depression because it was such a culture shock that I had not known that black people were wealthy. You Hmm. know, from a from a child's view, I thought that if you were white, it meant that you were rich. Wow. And that if you were black, it meant that you were poor because it was all that I saw. Yeah. Or at Mm -hmm. least my perception of you know, the white community that I did see was just that they were so much better off yeah. than we were. And that's and I know that that's not true, um, but that was what I thought. Um, and going through those experiences, I would be, be met with a lot of classism,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, or mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't particularly welcome in spaces. So in some spaces, I'm too educated. <laughs> I think I'm too good. Yeah. In another space, <laughs> I'm not good enough. Yeah. You know, uh, there, there are lots of uh, these uh, I- identity politics that shape the rooms in which people feel like you are uh, you should be able to walk in. Um, having a job on the Hill was definitely a privilege, a privilege that I would not have been afforded had I not gone to a school like Spelman College mm-hmm. where I had friends in places that had gone and done things and, you know, connected me to people that would extend an invitation for me to, even be able to walk the halls for a visit and you know those are some of the things that kind of um um you know opened up some doors for me kind of getting in there staying in there learning um bringing all that stuff back to to georgia um i i realized in working with commissioner cupid that there was a big disconnect. Of course, being in D.C., you think you know everything, and if you've ever met a Hill staffer, you know, you probably couldn't tell them much. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's just kind of how it is, you know. Um, you, you get up there, you learn a whole lot. Um, the demands are crazy fast, um, but it's detached from the real lives that people are living mm-hmm. at home. I didn't see my experience reflected um, in policy conversations that – actually reflected people going through those rather than rather it was pe- people trying to translate it for people of right. my experience and telling me that I didn't I shouldn't sit at tables to make certain decisions because huh. maybe I wasn't quite qualified enough and I feel like if you have that experience in, in certain things you're qualified to speak on it to whomever
1: that's right mm-hmm.
2: you know there there should be no limits and walls in that respect and so I've worked to um be able to be in a position to have my voice heard and you know it, it hasn't been a crystal stair, even though you know it seems glamorous to work on the hill to work in government and to serve people but um trial by fire <laughs> trial by fire
0: <laughs> well one thing i want to ask you and i know eric wants to steer in in the leadership and georgia being a battleground state in all kind of different areas but you mentioned the platform that spelman college gave and you know i know how important it it, you know historically black colleges for those that don't know can be um for you know the minds of, of of black men and women around the country and historically and there's a lot of people that don't understand it but just for our listening audience I want you to know that HBCUs represent less than 3% of colleges and universities in the United States, yet they produce 23% of all African-American graduates, uh, 40% of all STEM degrees uh, uh, come out of historically black colleges, 60% of all engineering degrees for African-American students come out of historically black colleges, 70% of African-American dentists physicians, and physicians earn degrees at historically black colleges and universities, Uh, In 2000, Xavier in New Orleans by itself produced more successful African-American medical school applicants than Johns Hopkins University, um, Harvard, and the University of Maryland combined. And in 2018, the New York School of Medicine announced that any student enrolled in its medical degree um, program, regardless of race, would attend free. The reason why I wanted to bring up all those numbers and what I wanted you to speak to is we're now seeing challenges by many of our historically black colleges to stay open. Uh, The perspective I want our listeners to know is that Harvard has a $37.1 billion endowment. Uh, Princeton has a $24.6 billion endowment. Again, these are billions of dollars. Uh, Emory has a $6.7 billion endowment. Yet Morehouse has a $135 million endowment. Spelman has a $367 million endowment. And Clark Atlanta, uh, my alma mater, has a $66.7 million endowment. The challenge of these schools being able to function and compete with schools like Harvard, which is a great school, and Princeton and Emory, uh, how important is it for our schools to remain? And when I say our schools, I mean, how important is it for historically black colleges to remain accessible and open to young men and women of color that not just come from your background, but come from all parts of the country?
2: Um, Definitely, I think it's very important that they... Remain open. I had one of the privileges I had uh, as a student at Spelman was to serve as the student trustee on the board of trustees there. Okay. Um, and it gave me that the, like the behind the curtain look at what was going on and what the college it what the college needed to survive and to thrive, and I do believe that there is a um, a great disconnect. You know, we. Oh, goodness. Like a, a school like Harvard has been built on like a, a history of, um, of privilege. Yeah. And, you know, Spellman's history is rooted in the struggle. That's right. Um, the the struggle of institutional racism and just flat out just um, segregation and, and systems meant to, to not work for or serve communities of color.
0: You're right. So, And many people don't know that uh, John Rockefeller's wife, um, the namesake, Spelman, comes from her maiden name, so the Rockefeller family played a critical role in helping to establish, because of the segregated South, mm -hmm. and because of so many Jim Crow laws that prevented... Uh, students of color to attend public universities and institutions.
2: Yeah, 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 and you get a thorough education at, at Spelman about that. And I'm sure you got a thorough education oh, at Clark and That's Morehouse. Right. Like if you if you go to our schools, you're going to learn the history um, through and through, and and you develop an appreciation for it. But what we've got to do is, you know, to to when we have opportunities um, of privilege. To return the favor.
0: Amen. I agree.
2: Um, you will see uh, Samuel Jackson and and his wife um, Latanya Jackson. Mm-hmm. They give a lot. They give a lot. You know, to both Morehouse and Spelman. Yeah. Um, those Spike school. Lee. Yeah, Spike Lee. But we need more people to do it. And and sometimes just even you know thinking about me being chair of of the party is. That sometimes you don't see yourself as being capable Mm
1: -hmm.
2: of doing things that you very well can do. But you can't do it all by yourself. But if we all do our part, then we can uh, put our our institutions in a much better position. You know, the, the money we give to political campaigns, you know... I'm going to hold myself to that and try to try to match that, <laughs> the money that I would put into politics into Spellman. Yeah, um, because I, I know what Spellman did for me.
1: Yeah, um, this is a side note, because I think this might make you guys laugh because, you know, being the not black person on the show. Today, <laughs> this, so good friend of mine, he is like, hey, I think I'm going to apply to Morehouse. And he goes to me, you should apply with me. And I was like that's interesting and I seriously this is a true story I seriously contemplated it but in the end he ended up not applying and you know so I was we like, had a white I,
0: kid at Clark when I was when I see? was there. I mean you know I mean it, I mean we we had one but then he ended up he ended up pledging I mean like I think <laughs> the misnomer is that historically black colleges only have black students and there are a lot of there campuses lot. that have significant numbers of white students on the campuses so
1: I knew that see yeah. see see.
0: Shout out to Eric, man. He's he's smarter than I am right now.
2: That's so funny. Well, you know, Spelman has had uh, a lot of different students to attend, and and the thing that I'm gonna speak to both of yeah. you um, is that at Spelman we 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 take this class called African Diaspora in the world.
0: Yep, we do at Clark too.
2: And we study. We talk about how. Um, you know the the slave trade and colonialism. You know just impacted. You know the trajectory of of all of our lives um, from a heritage standpoint. Mm-hmm. So we know that none of us are pure blooded. None of us are pure blooded. Uh-huh. But in a place like Spelman, you experience all the cultures of the world. You know there were. Uh, you know not just a multitude of. Um, uh, identities from the african diaspora you know all the islands and uh-huh. you know different countries uh in in africa represented um at our school but you know there were hispanic students there were mm-hmm. white students That's and right. morehouse even had a white valedictorian like you really know yeah. <laughs> so you know our, our schools are not uh ever intended to be um segregated. Right. Um, but it is a very special thing to be affirmed in your identity that's right. in a college like mm-hmm. like ours.
1: I wanna go back to the MARTA vote for a minute. Sure. Because that's so important. So we know that like what did it cost? Like seven hundred thousand bucks for them to do the election in March versus having done it in November, right? Was that the additional cost?
2: I hear that it was actually over a million okay. when it was all said and done. Okay. Um, The initial projection was about three-quarters of a million, but in the end it was over a million. So
1: we would assume the reason they did that is because they'd like to have the highest no vote that they could get. Would that that be the answer?
2: I wouldn't say that it was to have the highest no vote, but that it was in an effort to suppress the yes votes. Um, So (laughs) they knew that if it had gone in November that it would have passed. Right. Um, so it was definitely uh, very intentional for it to be placed in March um, when we haven't had any ballot initiatives with uh, votes over 30,000 that, that actually turn out, okay. yeah. maybe between 30-something, 30, 30 you know, between 30 and 50,000. Okay. but And that's very low. We have um, almost almost 500,000 registered voters right. and to only have that many show up is not a very good thing. Right.
1: So all right. so what's plan B? So let's say it doesn't pass. What what's cuz it's obviously it's a necessity uh, for like where we are. Up uh, 400 as you know the North Spring station it stops. That should be going all the way up to Windward, you know, stopping along the way. So Fulton needs to have the expansion. what, what happens if it doesn't pass? What what are people saying moving forward?
2: Um, I think people are, are looking at, at different options for it. Some folks are saying, you know, put it back on for, uh, for 2020, Mm -hmm. uh, in November in 2020. Some folks are saying, well, maybe there's a more administrative route that can get us there, you know, through the, the ATL system. So that wouldn't necessarily be MARTA and it's a different system. So there's like all this, all this talk about it, um, You know, I don't really like to entertain that stuff. Um, I want to deal with, you know, where we are, what we can possibly do. And even though we know that that they set this up for failure, Mm. we're still going to work for it and to see if we can get there. Um, We know that transit is desired in Gwinnett. And so we're going to do everything we can to, to make sure that it comes because we can't afford for it not to. Right.
0: And and March 19th is the date for that, correct?
2: So early voting actually started on Monday okay. of this yeah. week. So you can currently go vote now um, at the main elections office in Gwinnett if if you're able to.
0: And if, you, if you're listening to this and <laughs> it is not March 19th and you do not live in Gwinnett, how can people support you? You know, for Forsyth County, Melissa Klink, myself, Eric Cohen, we're, we're going to roll up our sleeves and help and knock on doors, whatever you need us to do. How can other counties reach out to you and, and support you in this effort, whether that means folks in Lumpkin, Whitehall, or Rabin want to come down or make phone calls? What can other counties do around Georgia to help?
2: We do have some sign-ups, so if folks want to volunteer... They can go. Here, I'm going to pull it up um, so I can uh, read that. wasn't quite ready for that. but <laughs> well, well, while she's looking, I'm going to stall. The
0: Democratic Party of Georgia is putting its weight behind it. I know when I um, ran for chair of the party recently and when I transitioned from my 7th District Chairman position, uh, this is something that is not only critical, but one thing that Melissa Clink said. Um, Yesterday is I want people to understand the importance of this vote extends beyond the boundaries of Gwinnett. There are yes. folks in rural Georgia right now yes. that don't have access to health care. Um, you know, I'm excited about Gwinnett, but let's be honest, um, our challenge in the metro Atlanta region, for those of us who don't, who live close enough, is the traffic, right? Yes. But there are folks right now in rural Georgia that can't even go to a medical facility, uh, don't have access to 911 services or wireless broadband. So transportation is extremely critical. So I just wanted to throw it out there so that you can share with us how we can help out.
2: Okay, if folks want to sign up to volunteer, they can go to, um, it's a bit.ly link. So it's bit.ly slash transit Gwinnett. So that's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash transit Gwinnett, T-R-A-N-S-I-T. And Gwinnett spelled out G-W-I-N-N-E-T-T.
0: And we'll post it on, on Blue Tops. So my my handy technical, you know, co-host, <laughs> multiple hat-wearing person, will make sure that uh, it's posted uh, online. Uh, <laughs> um, now, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, um, which it kind of is in line with that, again, when I when I ran for chair, one of the reasons that motivated me to do that, and, and congratulations to Nakima Williams, and, yes, and we yes, want to support yes. everything she's doing mm-hmm. Um, But one of the things that I thought was extremely critical was the importance of the 2020 election uh, extending beyond Atlanta and the metro Mm -hmm. Atlanta region. Now, while I still consider Gwinnett as a part of the metro Atlanta region, I was very happy to see Elizabeth Warren make her first Georgia stop in Gwinnett. Uh, Over eleven hundred people showed up. Um, Here we have you know, an amazing leader in Gwinnett and yourself and to see the national spotlight hit Gwinnett is only a sign of things to come. How important was Elizabeth Warren to stop there? And how important is it? And what kind of message does it send to anyone else running for president that wants to come to Georgia? What kind of message was sent? And what do you What do you really think came out of that?
2: So I think, you know, more broadly, I view Gwinnett County it's kind of like ground zero for the work that we will need to do to it's win a bold statement. Mm-hmm. In, in the long run. Yeah. Um, Gwinnett County is the most diverse county in the entire southeastern United States. Um, and for the longest time, it had gone red. It had gone red. And we saw that uh kind of dissipate and fade away in 2016 when hmm. the county went for Hillary Clinton.
1: Yeah.
2: And what was interesting is that nothing else did.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, we we yeah. weren't having the the success in any other way and it was like, "Well, what's going on here? We definitely do have the potential to be a blue county." Yeah. Um what 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 was that all about? And so maybe some people voted for for president and they dropped off in other ways. Or, you know, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I will say that the, we didn't have Democrats on the ballot, yeah. largely, and which was critical. a huge problem. Yeah.
0: And I think people, you, you guys need to understand what she just said about the diversity of that county. You know, you have, um, you know, I think 144,000 Spanish-speaking uh, Gwinnett County members, 19,000 um, speak Korean 15,000 plus speak Vietnamese. Um, you have one of the highest populations of uh, Serbo Croatian. I mean, you know, these are, you guys are like, you know, shout out to my friend Ted Terry, but you guys are like a Clarkston on steroids, <laughs> right? Because you have so many, you know, members of the community. And even, you know, we saw last year Carolyn Bordeaux put up an amazing fight. Um, come within 433 votes of making it to a runoff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we couldn't bring up Carolyn without bringing up Ethan Pham or bringing up David Kim. Mm -hmm. And in respect to all the other candidates, but we saw an influx of communities that, you know, especially in the Korean community that said, Hey, this is an election, regardless of a person's argument for it. We saw very high numbers of Mm -hmm. folks that traditionally may not have been engaged for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. whether it's neglect or, you know, language barriers. Mm -hmm. But I think you are spot on because what happens when the totality of Gwinnett comes out, not just for MARTA, but for a presidential election Mm -hmm. or for a local election. And I think that is not only why you guys are ground zero, but I think it gives a hell of a lot of opportunity for your sister county. Shout out to Forsyth, That's where yeah. we are right yeah. now. Yeah. Yes, but absolutely. it's it's motivating to us because while we don't have those numbers, we have the fastest growing uh, Indian population mm-hmm. in in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. We have a very consistent. Uh, group of of Latin Americans that live in our county even though our our black population is right around five percent we're seeing those numbers increase so we're not where Gwinnett is but we have increased over the last 30 years and to the point of thanks to people like Eric and Anita Tucker and Randy Ingram and all these folks that are in, in Forsyth, we've actually flipped a precinct here and we yes. can uh, we only see that getting <laughs> better. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout out to Forsyth yeah, County to plug Forsyth. out our, our, our home right. base. Yes. So, uh,
1: you know? Okay, so th- that, that, that kind of brings us full circle about all this, which was really interesting. Basically, Gwinnett became majority minority 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you sit there and go, there's basically been this whole gap between, you know, the change that you're starting to see and there was like a lack of execution and from what i've read in your background that i really like and it's what we're talking about in Forsyth, you've got to go and penetrate into all these different communities and it seems like the democratic party where it's gone wrong or it's slacked off we there's a like there's a chinese american group for republicans that that have started here in Forsyth, and we're sitting here going like We've got to get into all those communities because yes. folks come as a blank slate, and they don't they don't have an allegiance to a particular party. Republicans walk in and say, "Like you're small business owner, this is what we can do for you." There's no counter narrative, so what do you see? Is you know how you, you basically for all these other counties that are below where Gwinnett is, like kind of like a foresight, what steps should they take? That's a good question, man. So, you.
2: so I didn't think of that one. I've been I've been writing I've been writing out this plan and working with some folks. I wish the you guys I, I wish Look, I wish you guys <laughs> could see her face right now. <laughs> yes, I'm over here like peeking in the brain, you know, <laughs> how to take over the world like um but yes, uh that is that is the goal, that is the plan. But um so I, I would say a couple things. Even though I'm the Democratic um chair, party chair in Gwinnett, you know, I have a very uh service and community-oriented view of what our responsibilities Mm -hmm. are. Um, We can't, and what the Democratic Party has been criticized for repeatedly, can't just say you're the party of the people, then you get in and maybe you don't serve them in the way that Mm -hmm. they think that they should be served.
0: Or just come around when it's time for a vote. Or 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 come around
2: when it's time for a vote. Um, We don't have any expectations of Republicans. So, (laughs) you know, when they do things, it's not like we're surprised by it. But we hold our folks to a, a standard of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have to rise to meet that, to recognize that there is a, a, a certain need that our community has and we have to show up to fill it. Um, one of the ways that we can do that, and I believe that um, the Abrams campaign uh, created a very, very novel model mm-hmm. for how we do that. You know, we're not in the in the business of converting other folks. I mean, if they want to come over and sit with us, they're going to come over and sit with yeah. us. Mm-hmm. But our thing is we have to figure out how to engage our people. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's the mistake we've made for too long. You know, even going back and Jason Carr and I are very close friends. And we had this conversation uh, from lessons we learned from 2014. But, you know, it's almost like the model for the last 20 years is, how do you be more center? Right. And and then left, you know, second. So like we're neglecting our base and not organizing work. our base, trying to appeal to people that, that quite frankly, have no interest in being right. appealed to. And we find ourselves in this repetitive state of losing. And I mean, I'm just going to say it how it is, because I don't like to lose. And I think you're, you're spot on because we have a base of people that either feel neglected um, are not engaged or don't know what the hell we stand for. Yeah. And I think your approach in not just saying I'm doing it from a Democratic-centric place, you're saying, you know, there's a community aspect of who you are that if people buy into that community aspect, it is in total alignment with your Democratic leadership.
2: It's understanding that, you know, the work that we do as a party, you know, it, it, it transcends what happens in a meeting. Mm-hmm. And so um, most people don't want to come sit in a meeting and hear people bicker or whatever they may do in, mm-hmm. a, in a meeting. You know, they have no interest in that. What they want to know is, what do I do? Yeah. How do mm-hmm. I do this? You know, how do I uh, help address these problems that my neighbor is having? And if we are present in the community, we can provide the answers to those, uh, to those questions, but also figure out who actually does have the interest, and build a pipeline for them to come in and to lead and to build the vision overall of what the party is needed um, for to do. And, you know, I, I, I really do think we have to to think about changing the model of how we operate. And I really enjoyed um, your plan, mm-hmm. um, the, the five Georges, yeah. and recognizing that um, our communities are very different, and they need different things. Just like, you know, we put the Asian community in this one pocket. But there are so many different types That's of right. Asian communities. That's right. We have over 100 languages spoken in the Asian community yep. in Gwinnett right. by itself. You're right. By Spot itself. Off. So, you know, you have to understand that if you're talking maybe to the Chinese community and you're talking about Democratic stuff, that they may not view it like Democratic Party based here. It'll be based in the cultural, a cultural reference from where they come from. Mm-hmm. And they will reject it Mm -hmm. so you have to learn how to communicate to people um across the 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 cultural barriers the racial barriers all all the things you know and we have you know more narrowly looked at it as just race race and gender or or
0: one size fits all geography
2: you know it's it, yeah, it's not one one size fits it's all. not
0: at all. And I think, you know, and, and, and Eric, you chime in too, but I think we also need to look at some radical policies that may motivate some other areas. Like, for instance, I love the Tacoma, Maryland model where they've lowered the voting age to 16. 16 yep. um, because what they've done in Tacoma, Maryland, is they, they saw a drop-off in their uh, vote with young people. And they said, you know what? You can get a driver's license at 16. We want you to vote at 16. The city council... Um, When they proposed it, the increase was upwards of 30 to 45 percent in new voter participation. We saw these amazing things. And I I feel like you're absolutely right. One of the reasons we are having a conversation about a Forsyth County Film Festival is because we want to make sure that the culture is highlighted. We Mm -hmm. don't want to assume we know what our East Indian brothers and sisters are uh, wanting in our county. Uh, it's very clear that they have um, in, in Forsyth County. One thing that I'm really excited about is we have cricket fields now. And mm-hmm. instead of us assuming that we know what they want, why not engage them where they are and engage them in what they do and not assume that we know or that our plan is going to automatically work because they share the diversity that mm-hmm. we're trying to attract. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm very excited about your leadership and about what you said but i do want to push back just a little bit and ask you for those naysayers that see a young ambitious woman of color right and i and i don't i don't think it's limited just to race but you are the first woman of color if i'm not mistaken woman well woman so you are the first woman just, just period. woman just, period that, that that is that is in that. that is in Gwinnett. no thank you for correcting me but that's in Gwinnett. and and I want you you know I was in the meeting when you were giving a very ambitious plan including raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for your local part to be able to operate and function and I saw the body language of some people change because they're looking at you and they're saying that's really ambitious and I think some people are not only afraid of change, of change But they're afraid of, you know, an ambitious person making a very, um, in some respect, out of out of mind type of goal. Right. So and I know you want to chime in on that as well.
1: So a crop of us were at your meeting. And when you said that, it's like, yeah, that's bold. That's leadership. Yeah. You know, because some people. Well, just so everybody knows, you, you said, hey, you know, we have a. A goal for two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the the Gwinnett County party,
0: and for anyone that doesn't know about the county party structure, most ambitious county goals are probably three, five thousand dollars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said that, what I noticed was we saw it as very bold of you to say it because that's the kind of leadership we're looking for, Uh whereas some other people looked at it and said, yeah, okay, that was cute, right? So what do you you say to people that might not understand the importance of bold leadership?
2: Oh, goodness. She took a sip of water on that one, y'all. Where where, where do I begin with this one? When I was installed um, as chair of the county, um, and I, I didn't write a speech, so I, I didn't come with prepared remarks. I just walked up there and I looked out in the crowd and I kind of laughed to myself because I could hear my mom telling me, girl, you got some nerve. <laughs> and um, I've always I've, she's always told me that for as long as I could remember. And um, as I share with the Dems at that time um, and will continue to harp on this. If I did not have nerve, Uh I would not have come from homelessness Mm -hmm. to where I am right now. Uh If I did not have nerve, um, I wouldn't have graduated valedictorian in spite of all the odds that I faced um, telling me that I couldn't do this or I wasn't smart enough and overcoming, you know, being in a learning disability class. If I didn't have nerve, um, I, I just, I would not be here right now. I would not be here right now. And if we're going to to rise to the potential that I know Gwinnett can, mm-hmm. we're going to have to have some nerve. Mm-hmm. But for too long, you know, we have been complacent and very accepting and walking very cautiously and hesitantly, missing the fact that we have a huge Democratic community in Gwinnett. They have been kowtowing to Republicans. Oh, we don't want to upset them. No, we're gonna upset the status quo. We're gonna upset that That's because right. we deserve more shake the tree and and mm-hmm. it it makes me so angry when people um you know are like ooh i don't I don't want to rock the boat. I like, heard
0: somebody in that same meeting literally contemplate if we should not say that the Democratic candidate That's running right. in Snellville was yep. a Democrat. And and that offended me because yep. the nerve and the audacity the for audacity. us to try to hide mm-hmm. the fact that we're proud Democrats says a lot about the party. So we, we've got about seven minutes left, um, and, and it's it's been really fun with you. I like to attribute a quote uh whenever we we have a guest that we're excited about that i would like to read um that reminds me of you and then eric i want you to to bring us home and you know allow our guests to share anything else and if you've left anything else just kind of make sure that our Mm -hmm. listeners have it but it's a quote that i think is right on time that says our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate Mm -hmm. our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure Mm -hmm. it is our light not our darkness that most frighten us. Uh, we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, all of which you are. <laughs> uh, but actually, who are you Thank not you. to be? You're a child of God. You're playing small, does not serve the world. Uh, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Uh, as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Uh, I wanted to say with you that it's not only an honor to know you as a friend and support you as a powerful woman, uh, but to, to really watch uh, from a distance, uh, that distance being Forsyth County, the work you're doing. And, and I can only imagine uh, where Gwinnett County will be. Uh, once your leadership comes to an end. And, and we hope that's a lot longer away than sooner. Um, so I wanted to say that to you because we're inspired. Um, people like Melissa Clink, who's in our county, in our county chair, we think the world of you, and we think that there's limitless potential in Gwinnett. So thank you <laughs> for being here with us. Eric, you want to take it over from here?
1: So what I comes to county parties. When we talked to Melissa last, you know, these conversations are fun because like when you know somebody, it's so loose. So like Melissa, one of the things that we have seen, like turf war, you know, we're in this county party and you're in that county party and we don't want to work together or we want to get the credit. And so what we've done over here in Forsyth, we're like, we don't want credit. We just want to get Democrats elected and we want to bring our values. What do you say is the county chair in Gwinnett when it comes to this old school kind of I want attention and and, and I want the credit?
2: So one of the very first things I did um, in in the days after I was elected chair um, was I sat down with folks that work the statewide campaign. Mm -hmm. Who are the county chairs that you recommend I talk to? Yeah. And guess what? Within, within, you know, I was, I was elected on the December 13th and on January 1, we were having a video conference, me and those chairs that we were able to assemble, um, a video conference talking about how we can win, you know, strategies that work, strategies that didn't work, you know, what you need to know, what, you know, pitfalls to avoid, um, we i i have made it a point you know from a personal standpoint professional standpoint to make sure that that connectivity is there mm-hmm. and we'll continue to make that happen um i'm committed to that because we cannot do this alone and if there was anything that i learned from working on the coordinated campaign you need strong county parties right. and the county parties cannot be at odds with the state party. Nobody can walk around thinking that they're uh, better that's than right. the other because we need each other. That's right. We need these county parties to do the community-building work in their communities. Mm-hmm. They may not know how. You have to teach them. That's right. And if the state party is not teaching them, then they can learn from other county parties, and that's what we can do together. So it's part of my goal to change Gwinnett, but to also – Take it up further north. That's like right. building relationships with you all has been such an amazing thing. I talked to Melissa. Melissa teaches me. Daniel teaches me. Yeah. You know, I learn from you all just as much as you all are are saying that you're inspired. I'm just like I don't. <laughs> I I didn't plan all this. Out. I didn't have a master plan. I'm just moving. Yeah. So we yep. can move together and and really shake some stuff up.
0: There you have it. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Blue Topsy, uh, I, I learn every single time we have a guest on, and, and I, I've so sung her praise over and over again, but we're going to definitely have you back on. Yeah. We want to know uh, how the martyr vote turns out, and we would love for you to give us... Uh, and one thing, if if, if the state party is listening, we need more uh, post-election analysis, right? Like, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? Where can we approve upon? So we would like to invite you back. Um, to do a post vote analysis uh, If it passes That's great, let us know what's next If it doesn't pass uh, I'm going to be pretty frustrated And But we're going to figure out what we need to continue to do Right, so let's just hope That uh, the latter does not happen yeah. It's going to pass, I'm going to go ahead and put that In the atmosphere and we would love for you To come back on because we want that To be contagious, we want to see that happen In Forsyth County, we want to see that happen All over the state because transportation Is critical to Lifting people out of poverty and yes. to connecting us and positioning us to be a city that uh can be competitive globally. I, I want Atlanta and Metro Atlanta and the counties throughout Georgia to compete with the likes of New York and California mm-hmm. and so many other areas. So thank you for being a guest right. on our thank show today. Thank you
2: for having me. Thank right.
1: you. So as always, this this is what we do at the end of the show. Okay. We have to tell everybody where, where they can find us. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, sure. and Twitter at Blue Topsy. And then we know that you'll you'll retweet all our stuff, you know. And how yeah, can they're... people find you? <laughs>
2: okay, sure. Um, well, we're definitely on Facebook. There we go. Um, we're on Instagram and uh, and Twitter, but you can uh, connect with us by going to our website, www.GwinnettDemocrats.com. And there you can find a way to sign up for our email list and also to volunteer for this uh, transit referendum. We're out here canvassing and getting it done. Yeah. Um, or you can go to bit.ly, uh, B-I-T dot L-Y slash transit Gwinnett, and you can sign up there,
0: and we'll post it on our sure we'll. website. My name is Daniel Blackman. And I'm
1: Eric Cohen,
0: and we will see you next time. Uh, who's next? Is it is it Carolyn?
1: Carolyn Bordeaux. Most likely, Carolyn. most likely. Yes.
0: All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time on Blue Topsy. Thank you guys so much. Thank
1: you. Thank you.